From the front line. It's not going to work, man. From the tailgates. Representing KGYR and its stakeholders. We are the Forum for the Fan. The Bleed Blue Show. Flying solo. Here's your host, Steve. Yeah, we are the Forum for the Fans. The Bleed Blue Show. Big Blue Roundtable. We're going to get into this combine episode. Uh, if you know, out in there in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, where the top prospects show off their skills, should they uh, pretty much an audition on different drills to be or raise their highest value they can get in the uh, upcoming 2023 NFL draft. Uh, BleedBlueShow.com is our website, audio archive, episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, previous episodes this uh, week go uh, with the Blue Shirts and NHL. You can check out this uh, the Nickelbacker Avenue Fan Forum postgame versus the Nets uh, with the Knicks talk and NBA talk over there. Uh, this Towards the end of this weekend, definitely going to have a Blues Day recap episode. Uh, all the sports, all the opinions uh, around all the other leagues and try to catch up on that. But as far as the football, it's going to be an inside-out approach, how I look at uh, the free agency situation for our squad, the Big Blue Football Giants, and then, of course, around the league, uh, the, the available free agents, a lot of teams uh, not matching their deals, and talk about available players just in a wide spring of uh, – uh, of uh, you know for, for in, in a couple of weeks for the free agency to kick off in mid March uh, around the 15th, and then also the prospects, uh, the NFL prospects, and what fit could be made for the for the Giants. So you got this inside out approach. You got our squad. We'll start there. We'll work our way around the league as far as free agency. Now we're just the guys that's going to be free agents in a couple of weeks, or technically are, but now, but contractually will be in, in mid part of, of March. And then also. Um, the prospects. I definitely want to talk prospects because as far as a lot of the holes, not just our team, but just prospects in general as far as who you think coming out of college is just going to be uh, a great uh, player, whether it's going to be for our squad or, or, or for another football team. Uh, Carl, what's going on? How you doing? Let's talk about it, man. Uh, what are your thoughts, man, having you and Bakes on last uh, – well, not even last week, two weeks ago about, you know, after the Super Bowl. Uh, how are you looking at this free agency stuff? Because we can start with our team, man, and – um well, with the situation that the general manager's been all over the NFL network as far as Daniel Jones. and I mean, we knew this day was coming, especially since the day we drafted Saquon Barkley. So how you doing, sir? And how you? And I know you got your eye on the uh, the Rangers game, like I do. <laughs> so that's also that's on my mind as well. So what's going on, man? That is correct. And uh, <laughs> trying to right now just stay safe from – we got some, we got some, some tornadoes that are, are – that are – uh, in the Whoa. in the area here, so hopefully things are hopefully things will be okay uh, in these next mm-hmm. next couple hours. Um, but Whoa. you know, yeah, since the last time we've talked, yeah, I know, big time. The, 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 the it's a little it's a little tricky down here. Um, but you know, since we've talked, it seems like the uh, the jam has been on the uh, on the media tour, um, <laughs> trying you know put it, getting his message out. And you know he listen. He has to do what he has to do. Try to be as diplomatic as he can, without you know tipping his hand um, either way in terms of what he likes to do. But of course, you know part of what he decides to do in the off season, um, separate from the draft, uh, will be dependent on getting these two things done uh, in terms of the contract. Whether they both get done, one get done, or none, um, a lot of the money and a lot of the direction is going to be based on those decisions and how that's made. And so when you sort of look at it from that perspective, you know, any free agency thoughts, any targets in terms of, you know, money allocation being spent in in that direction has to kind of be on hold a little bit um, for right now. And so you're just sort of looking at, you know, these draft prospects at the Combine right now. Um, I don't have too much familiarity with all of them. I have not done my research on it just yet. Um, but, you know, at least to get an idea of the future, um, you know, there's obviously some needs that the team has uh, that they definitely need to address. All right, all right. Now, i got to say this. Uh, I'm pretty sure all Giant fans are celebrating that the release of Kenny Galladay is now, it has been official. Uh, 
finally some cap space has been saved and how it's been a detriment financially. That's really the key of all this and not necessarily the, the spirit of the field, but just the uh, financially uh, a cog in the salary cap situation for the big blue football giants. Now the team has got to move on, but this team has a lot of uh, holes to fill, a lot of uh, uh, spots to um, all over the field as far as who's going to come back. Like you said, it starts with the quarterback, it starts with the running back, obviously. Uh, but, you know, the backup running back, I mean, of course the Giants are going to be in the market for a running back in the draft. I believe that, um, the, you know, the depth at, at, on both sides of the lines with Nick Gates and Justin Ellis, um, they definitely need a wide receiver for sure. I mean, even Richie James uh, being on that unrestricted free agent list as well. Uh, Slayton, I mean, it's a whole slew of those guys, man. Um if you wanted to fill in, um, I mean, get the quarterback, get the running back out of the way. Your thoughts on? I mean, of course, I I understand what you're going to say. Well, I would say I understand. I you're just officially um, the Galladay getting you know off the team now. If you have any you know any opinion to weigh on that, but also you know outside of the quarterback, outside of guys that are free agents for this team, who do you you know? Want to try to attempt to bring back, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go. We'll continue the conversation from there. Yeah, you know, Galladay, he is a prime example of why you cannot rely on free agency to build your roster. You know, when the when the Giants signed him, it was a a desperation move for you know a a, a team that was sort of in flux and was trying to. You know, I get it was sort of like one of those like get rich quick schemes, right? It was, ooh, we we have to, you know, we have to we have to find weapons. We just we have to find weapons wherever we can get them. So all of a sudden, you go into free agency and it's, you know, you look at who's available. It's a supply and demand business, and it's like, well, well, well Galladay's had a somewhat of a reasonable history, even though before he was signed, he had injury issues, and so you, you know, I remember when he when he was signed, you know, he, he wasn't really being highly coveted by anybody. So all of a sudden, you know, a sucker is born every minute, and the Giants just happened to be that person. They paid him what they paid him, you know, got the results that they got. I guess probably shouldn't have been surprised, but you know, that's the danger of having to like, you know, you 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 fail. Not fails right, not the right word, but you don't do well in the draft, and so you are then forced to go into free agency to solve your problems. But if the problems don't get solved, they are only compounded. And so he is a, a perfect example of why, you know, that's why I don't take free agency seriously. Because when you're going into, you know, most of the guys, how many times have you seen, Stephen, in, in your time where, like, a prime good free agent just happens to exist on the market without any warts at all? It's almost never. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, that, I, I mean, that is tough. Of good examples. It, yeah, and football is slightly different because I think the mentality is it's a gladiator sport, and it's like when you when the guys get paid and just the human part of it, and I I can't be mad at it. Where for the most part, if you are really if if you're really built like that to always put out day in and day out until your body gives, like football, you're it's just like it's almost like a car. It's like wear and tear it happens so fast with the football and even if they want to give it i think their body gives up on them because of just age and and use so i look well, at football a little well, different other, than the other sports well the other way i was looking at it was like this because of the way football contracts are sort of structured a team mm-hmm. if they if they want to keep you they'll find a way to keep you and if a team will let, wants to let you go, they'll find a reason to just say, you know what, eh, we probably shouldn't commit to this guy, you know, long term. Mm-hmm. You know, because you know, when you, figure, when you factor in all the the option years and franchise tags and all these other things, you know, very like that's what I was saying. Very rarely do, do guys, you know, just sort of prime, you know, hit the market. And I looked at it more from that perspective. So anybody that you sign, you always kind of have to look at with a little, you know, just 
you know, a little bit of the side, I like, okay, wait, why are they making you available? <laughs> and, and so, you know, you, right, right. you get some of the bargain basement. So, you know, you get some of the bargain basement, you know, price, you know, guys, and they become, you know, better players. But like, but like, you know, elite prime, you know, top of, of top, you know, one or two percentile at their position, like that kind of free agent it almost never happens. So anybody else after that, you know, it's, there's always a little bit of risk involved. Yeah, it definitely comes down to the cost. If they find they could get some sort of, they could make up a lot of that value on the field with less of the cost, they'll, they'll spread their eggs around to make the team, with dependence on the situation of that particular team to make it better. So, yeah, I, get, I agree with you on that. Um, as far as the Big Blue, um, I mean, it's a glaring hole. I mean, looking at the offensive side of the football, I mean, just right off the top of my head, like I know that Slayton's available, or he will be available, Richie James and, and Shepard. And then you got Wondell Robinson coming off an injury. I mean, that is four wide receivers off rip. You know you're going to have to fill something. And, and I don't think that's going to be free agency. I think that's going well, – I don't know. Maybe it could. But I don't see that. I think they'll build um, organically – at that position, well, how do you think they're going to uh, address wide receivers? Well, the current marketplace for wide receivers is very limited. Like, for instance, probably the best receiver on the market is Jacoby Myers of the Patriots. And I remember at last check seeing um, a story about him. You know, he may command between 15 and $20 million a year, very similar to what uh, Christian Kirk got in free agency last year. Now, if I asked you, is Jacoby Myers a a top tier wide receiver? Like, the answer would very likely be no. But he's going to mm-hmm. get paid based on what supply and demand is. You know, it's not like he's going to get ten. He's going to get right in that 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 four to seventy five range. Sounds about right, even though I wouldn't pay it. Now, the question then becomes: Do you elect to pay it? Because if you don't want to do that, you have three options. You can either just go to the top of the market in the free agency, pay whatever the market rate is, and just call it a day and hope that it works out. B, you can draft the wide receiver, um, you know, in the first, second, or third round and hope that he develops, you know, within a period of time in, in your time frame. Maybe he, you know, um, maybe he develops quicker than you expect and he becomes a breakout star early. Or in some other cases, you know, a guy takes a little bit of time, you know, adjusting and then finally develops, you know, in year two or year three. And then the third option is trading for a guy. Now, there are a couple of guys available potentially. We don't know specifically, you know, if they'll be made available or not. You know, a guy like T. Higgins of Cincinnati because he's come up on the last year of his uh, second-year rookie deal or second-round second rookie deal, which – they don't, there's, and there's not a fifth-year option for it, so Cincinnati's going to have to make a decision on that. Maybe uh, Brandon Ayuk of the 49ers would be a guy if you want to do that. Um, you know, 49ers got a lot of high-quality players on the team. They can't obviously sign all of them, so that leaves a player like that kind of open. Uh, I'm trying to think of another person, maybe um, potentially, you know, DeAndre Hopkins. I've, you know, you've, you've heard story, you know, rumors about that, whether or not they get rid of him for you know a, a, a high-quality draft pick. You know, those are so. Those are the three options. It's like pick which which lane would you figure you want to go with. If your goal is to try to win immediately, okay, well then drafting a wide receiver might not be, you know, might not match up. Spend the money, or do you go ahead and make a trade, giving up draft capital and high quality draft capital for you know the receiver that we're looking for? If the comparison, Steve, would be, you know, AJ Brown last year. Netted, I think it's a first, a fourth, and a hundred million dollars um, to spend. Like, if you think T. Higgins is as good as A.J. Brown, he might be getting there very closely. But if you believe that that might that he projects to be that guy, then that's pretty much the cost of doing business. Right, and that's something we would have to see with this current regime with Joe Shane. Uh, I thought year one was really his biggest obstacle, obviously, was the salary cap situation, and it still is. Now, a lot of these guys are getting off the books, but allocating those resources properly. But now they get a, a, a draft season where what type of GM 
transactionally are we going to get? Are we going to get somebody who's going to be like Harry Roseman of the Eagles, who is a wheeler and a dealer? For the aforementioned uh, points that you just said, as far as how they got AJ Brown because the Tennessee general manager, for whatever reason, didn't want to pay AJ Brown, which is crazy. But Harry Roseman was in that market and and and, and made the deal. You know, he makes a lot of trades. It seems like every other year at minimum, if not every year. And a lot of there's some general managers who don't go that route. We'll get to see more of what type of style that Shane is going to present. Uh, is he going to be uh, similar to what they did in Buffalo, uh, as far as build through? You know, they they make they make they make a couple of trades. You know, with the uh, with the you know with the Diggs trade uh, with uh, the Minnesota Vikings a few years back. Uh, so we're going to see on that. I'm going to sit back and wait because I really don't know what route they're going to go. And there's so many ways they can go, uh, with the roster, but, uh, you know, with the offense, you know, the wide receivers obviously glaring, glaring holes. And it's, I mean, they probably could sign guys off the streets after uh training camp next year. Uh, that's part of it. You know, Wondell is going to be coming back, but the status of Sterling Shepard, I think he's done probably James, who knows? I mean, he, he might get some team friendly. What would, deals, who knows? What would you do? So, so, yeah. What would you do what, of the three options of the three options I presented to you? I make, I'll make you the general manager right now. You want to go <laughs> ahead and, and get a receiver on the team. Which of those three options are you choosing? I don't want to overpay for one, be honest with you. I don't think with the way our roster is currently constructed. And then also, and you already know how I feel about the quarterback. That's another thing. Let's start there. If I don't, want, I don't mean to deflect because it also means what we're doing with number eight. You know, are we going? They're going to franchise him or they're going to let him walk? Because that's where I start. Because I, I, you know how I think, Carl, and I think a lot of I don't. It, it, do you still believe that number eight is going to be this gunslinger? Is he? Is he Andrew Luck? Is he Peyton? Is he? Is he going to be a Kirk Cousins type of uh, quarterback? You know, a middle of the pack type of quarterback may get you some big games passing. What, what, what type? Do you believe in Daniel Jones that he needs this this overall number one overall wide receiver weapon? Um, so I look at it in a couple of different ways. Do I think he can be the quarterback mm-hmm. that wins a championship? No, I do not. Uh, do I right. think he can be Agreed. a quarterback of a team that consistently gets to the playoffs? I'm not sure. I agree. That, and, that, that, and that's why I'm and not really all that yeah. big on the wide receiver, <laughs> to be honest with you. And, but then, but there's that, then there's that third tier a part of this mm-hmm. is, do you think he can be a quarterback that gets you to the playoffs, let's say, over a course of five years? Can he get there three times? Like, for instance, Andy Dalton did something like that, right? Right, Like, right. Kirk Cousins, I think, has been in the playoffs like three or four times in his career. But, you know, okay. Okay. Like there are certain guys that you know, Alex Smith is another guy. He's, he's been in the playoffs like five, you know, a couple of times. Like, could mm-hmm. he be that? So there's like these three Probably. different tiers, and then you have to sort of make a decision as to what tier do you think he fits in, and then make your decision off that. I, I'm I've not taken a position on whether the Giants should should sign him or let him go because I could actually argue both sides of what's allegedly going on right now. Um, so I'm just going to let that play out. But, you know, if if you ask me, I think what Jones is asking for is actually more than fair. What is he asking for? Because I, I don't know, know for sure. I think I've only seen what people have said or what has been allegedly reported. Is it true? What is it? Forty something million or forty five or what was the number it, allegedly or it starts confirmed? With a, well, what? I won't give the the, the 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 I'll just say the number starts with a four. That right, seems to right. be out there in the in the marketplace. And so, as I thought about it and how I would have come to that number, that sounds about accurate. Would I? And he's actually I, I don't not think wrong I, I would. I mean, I, I mean that's the whole thing about the give and take of this thing called the market with Daniel Jones. He he has all the right, or any player has all the right to ask what they're asking for. Is whether that the other side is buying what you're selling. If you was to ask me, I don't think he's the quarterback of the future, and I think he's kind of what you said as far as Andy Dalton-ish. He may get you to a playoff, maybe get you out of the first round here and there, 
And then, I mean, the the the, the great, I, I really, you know, it's kind of a fair argument because he's literally, you could say he's put Galladay to the side, put Golden Tate to the side. They'll say oh, the management didn't give him the true number one weapon. It really didn't come from Shane. It really came from uh, the Gettleman regime, those wide receivers that came before them. So he kind of has, or his agent may have that on their side of the argument. But if just me watching the game, you know, you for most Giant fans, whether through here or or just pretty much in, just out and about, just fans in general, they're not most fans you you respect on their opinion, like they, they were report yours. Put the salary aside, they don't believe in pretty much what you said. Don't believe in Daniel Jones, and 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 just that off that strip alone, you do have if you want to go the tag route for one year. I mean, you could honestly build organically through the draft with developing players, uh, uh, especially if you draft the wide receiver. Like, I even look at – that's what? Ooh, that's risky. That's very risky. I mean, I mean um, if, well, here, oh, here's, well, here's the reason why it's risky, right? So there, that idea has been thrown out there. But let's say you do that. There's going to be between now and next season – maybe six quarterbacks having their uh, contracts uh, either um, renewed, restructured, or signing new deals. That's Prescott, Hertz, Jackson, Herbert, Burrow, and maybe Cousins, I believe. So that would total right. six quarterbacks. So if you just kind of – if like right now, I hear where you're going the, with the this. highest quarterbacks – yeah, the highest quarterback salary right now is about fifty million dollars. That number is going to be eclipsed easily right, with right, the next right. six guys that are coming up. So if I you, get it. So let's say hypothetically you play the yeah. So if you play the thirty-two million dollar one year, prove it to me deal, and you're wrong, and he's good right, again. I, right, right, right. Yeah, he, he, he's going <laughs> to yeah, the number's going to go up. The, the yesterday prices just went up. I get it. I get that point. I'm just saying. Yeah. See, my whole approach would have been totally different. Uh, I know, and it's because the Giants front ran last year. Why they held on to those players? Now we're here today without a plan. You know, they didn't sign them. They, they did not extend them. Now you have this all this domino effect that's just lingering in in this off season. And then, like I would honestly, you know, looking at the line, uh, left guard and center is probably where you would like to upgrade. Is and I think they've been very explicit on addressing both sides of the lines, offensive and defensive line. Like I think Feliciano is a, is a stopgap guy. There's a guy in the draft or a couple of guys in the draft. I, I would take a look at as far as uh, upgrading, you know, with youth at the center position. Um, the running back, you, you're always going to find a running back late. You know, we've had this conversation many a times. Like, I'm not worried about. I'm not saying I would be worried about running back, but as far as Saquon and what, what, matter of fact, let me ask you that, Saquon, what do you think as far as how this is going to play out with him? And then, we'll, I, then I'll go on from that from that point. Um, the safe bet monetarily would be to pay him the franchise tag if a deal has worked out with Jones on a long-term contract. So the franchise tag number is $10 million, which I think is like the second lowest of all the positions in the league. When you, you know, quarterback, uh, wide receiver, offensive lineman, like running back, I think is now behind, is just behind kicker in terms of franchise uh, tag money uh, for a player. That tells you exactly what the league thinks of running backs. So mm-hmm. can you find a Saquon quote-unquote replacement, well, it's I, I look at it kind of similar to the Tiki Barber thing 15 years ago. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, when Tiki retired, you know, the, the Giants didn't, you know, as, as it turned out, looking, looking back on it, Giants were able to make up his production in two, three different ways by having numerous running backs who were good as opposed mm-hmm. to relying on one player. Where if that one player gets hurt, then you can't. Then you say, "Oh, well, you know, we can't do anything because Saquon's not here." Like that's not, you know, you you don't want to put yourself in that position. So, just monetarily wise, in terms of just you know asset allocation to that position, 
ideally $10 yeah. million dollars would not be what you would, you know, more than 10 million bucks at that position would not be what you would want to spend. But if you tell me I can do it just for one season, get what I need to get out of Saquon. And then also what that does tell you, Steve, is that, okay, let's say if that happens. So what you're basically saying is that Saquon doesn't really have a future here anyway. He's just going to kind of be here for about one more year, and then they're going to move on anyway. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, you would just sign him to a long-term deal. But they don't want to do that, obviously, because who does that with running backs at, at, at around that age? Right. So you're just kind of fighting time. <laughs> just, yeah. So at that point, you may as well, if, if that's going to be the eventual plan after the year, based on just money, then you know what? You might want to just move on now and just just decide to do that and let him get – whatever big money that might be available out there. Maybe it's from Chicago, as, it, as it's been rumored. Um, but that that would be my way. And then replace him in the draft with, with you know a host of different running backs and then proceed from there. That's a very logical um, way of looking at it. And I, and I actually agree with you. And I know most fans, uh, they love number 26. But from a business – I mean, you have to balance the fan emotion with – how you allocate your assets to have a best product you can have on both sides of the field and getting tied up to one position is just insane. If you were, if you trying to win and this is, you know, this is the scenario we saw coming into the season last year and, and um, they got to make the decision. And I think that's the best way to get the most out of those players. If you do it like that um, based off Kate, you know, after retaining them, so that's how I, I kind of would look at it like that, too. And then I'll also look at, you know, I don't think they're going to sign a linebacker. So I think they're going to go and draft with the linebacker. Um, and then also probably look at, you know, there's some good safeties, but they're going to get paid like Jesse uh, uh, Yates from, uh, from Cincinnati. Um uh, the, the guy from uh, the guy with the hyphen Indian name from from uh, the, start, the the slot safety from uh, from Philadelphia. He, he's he's on he's on the market oh, as well. I think he Gardner Johnson. Yeah, guys like he's at twenty five. So I'm not you know those are the type of players you probably could get at a good value. Uh, you know we talked about this I think two weeks ago when me you and Bates were talking about with the Eagles or how they got so many guys are just going to be on the market where I think the Giants probably could. Like use somebody on the secondary to fill in that Julian Love spot. Um, you know, I definitely cornerback in the draft for sure. I think there's there's an that's a position where I think you could do some something well in the mid like three you know rounds three and four with a good quality cornerback. Uh, you'd probably be think, playing more man actually, than Nakazo. I, so. I actually think that's the number one position. I feel like that's the number one need on the team right now. If I was looking at it, yeah. um, just sort mm-hmm. of holistically. You know, independent of quarterback, obviously, because mm-hmm. would you feel com- well? He missed time last year because because of the punt. But would you feel comfortable with Adoree Jackson being the number one cornerback on the team next season? No, oh, no, 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 uh-uh. no, no. I mean, he's he's more of a to me like when he was playing at Southern Cal, he was more of an athlete that could play corner. But as far as like a sauce Gardner type of rugged, you know, all around talent, uh, pro bowl level ability cornerback. I don't see a Dory Jackson like that when he was at Tennessee, when he came from Southern California uh, with the Trojans. So yes, cornerback is a need. Cornerback is a need. Now I, I hate to break away for a little bit, but Terry Schenker, I think got another goal. <laughs> I just had to say that Carl. <laughs> beautiful. It was an absolutely beautiful, um, Move that he put on there to to tap to tap that to tap. That okay, off. you've been watching. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. It overcame a you know a, a one goal. Yeah, they had back to back goals. I think Truba and uh, Tereschenko. So that's back to back goals, including an overtime goal versus Philly. All right, back on to the football. So yeah, I mean that's the, the situation with the football Giants are in. Um, and then. You know, I, I want to see. I really want to see how Shane is. He going to be more Howie Roseman? Is he going to be more? Um, um, let's see. Who, who's a good general manager that that kind of is like more sits on it? Like Belichick was kind of like one of those. You know, because he was winning a lot, so he always had 
you know, let him go, never resign him, trade him away. Try, he, he was king at that. You know, like Richard Seymour, Willie McGinnis, and, and all these, you know, when the guys got old or they started to hit that prime and they wanted that big money, he let them go. And that's how you, that's how he mastered that formula. I want to see what, matter of fact, let me ask you that when it comes to Shane. What do you think his style is going to be uh, going forward? Because I think he knew the conundrum coming in. Now, year two, okay, a lot of the stuff is opening up. Now you're cutting some of these guys to retain some of the debt money and this cap space. How do you think he's going to attack it in year number two in this offseason? You know, that's, that's a good question. And I think probably the, the base of the answer has to depend on whether or not he feels the team is a, a a few players away and falls into that trap of, hey, we've made the playoffs last season. Let's try to add a couple of guys and see if we can basically the same nine, seven and one, you know, this, you know, in 2023, or does he take a, a, position probably what he took last season until being surprised by the results where he has to sort of take a bit of a step backwards in order to go forward in the long-term health of the franchise because then the moves that would be made based off of that idea while the while some of the fans may not understand it at the time that it, that, the, that those moves are made you know because they say hey we made the playoffs why can't we make the playoffs again this year you know, uh, a good chess player looks at sort of the, you know, move, looks at, you know, three or four moves ahead. He's not looking for the immediate. And so that is how, how the team views itself is a big, big deciding factor in how some of these decisions get made uh, coming up here. And right now, you know, he gives the impression that he is going to, you know, try to stay the course and, and, and maybe you have them to take a step backwards, but it's you know when you're when you're when you're in the big city, just like L.A., you know, just like New, York, you know, there is that you sometimes you get suffocated by by some by some success, and you just want to try to get it as quickly as you can, and that's a trap, and so you have to, and so hopefully he doesn't fall into that, and you know, knock on wood that that you know that isn't the case. Yeah, and he's been very public about what he's saying to the media or saying on the media circuits and then I guess saying to the Giants fans what he says he wants to do. I don't know if he's, you know, showing his hand a little bit, not necessarily with players, but more of as far as the – he's been really verbal about, okay, our primary focus, not only with Daniel Jones – you know, signing. He said he's been in talks with Daniel. I heard him say it on the NFL Network. But he's saying I want to build the lines, offense and defense. So I, I believe the the center position could be addressed in the draft, and you know, let Feliciano go. And then also, yes. I also believe um, the linebacker because what he did with Blake Martinez is kind of the why, why would you if, if if they shown that you could be able to cut a guy who's got a big payday after the Packers? Like I don't see them. And, you know, unless they're looking at it analytically, they didn't think he was worth the value of the contract. I don't see them doing that. You know, they kind of went that 5-2-5 uh, route defensively. I think, you know, and plus the, the free agency as far as linebackers, I don't like this. I don't like this class at all. You know, a lot of these guys are over the hill uh, past their – I would say, you know, a little over their prime. Uh, good, uh, some of the top ones. I'd say, they, if anything, they'll adjust it in um, – the draft as well, and or and or you know how this works, Carl. As far as you know, you could always once you get your uh, roster down to fifty three to a playing forty five, and guys who fall off the uh, rosters of other teams, you could always look into picking them up before the start of the regular season. So that's a route that could be made too, just to play filler with the linebacker uh, position. But um. I mean, I, that's that's kind of how I look at it from the big blue, um, uh, from, from that perspective. Play? As far as what would you would you play the role of looking at the roster and taking a step back, or would you look at the exact roster that you have right now and say, you know what, this roster is good enough to fill in the blank? Now, I don't know what that means exactly because I feel like there is a different level 
of Philadelphia, San Francisco, Dallas, and then everybody else in the conference right now. Like, I don't feel as if, you know, if the Giants made, I don't know, three moves, that all of a sudden that gets them in that tier. I don't believe that. You know, I feel like there's just a – that those two teams – when you watched the playoffs this season and saw those three teams, independent of, of the 49ers quarterback getting hurt, right. it looked like you were watching like another league. And, I agree. And, and, you know, and so – how would you approach it? Would you be reticent to try to, you know, get the gang back together and build off this in such a way where, you know, you're just trying to add pieces to go for that quick fix? Or do you want to have the slower build where you kind of allow this thing to sort of build organically? And then maybe in 2024 say, okay, I think we've got the quarterback in place, the offensive line folks in place our defensive line in place, and I think we can go and make a run. How would you approach it? Inside out is my approach based on this roster. And what I mean by that is if he's selling if, – if Joe Shane – I'm always a Lions guy first when it comes to a good football team, especially why our teams won Super Bowls. Uh, obviously, the earlier ones back in 86 and 90, we, that monster defense, and then you play tough run football. But when you look at it from a personnel standpoint, I'm talking about get your lines. As, 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 as They have upside. I'm talking about the offensive line first, and I'll get to the defensive line. The offensive line, I, I would make that stronger. It, it, it has room for improvement and coaching, uh, pass blocking especially. But I think they're more maulers than pass protectors. And I would start with the, the anchor. I start with the center. And, and I would address that in the draft. I think you could – you know what? There's a guard uh, from the Broncos that you might be able to get a good value on him and, and put him at left guard. I may be able to go that route. You still have, you know, Evan Neal at the edge. And you hope that after year one and, and studying up on tape, I think he's a smart kid. I think he'll have a, a good bounce back year. I think he kind of struggled in, sp- in spots and he had the injury. Uh, we saw Andrew Thomas took a big leap, right? As far as everybody was mad at him in year one and look at where he is right now. So I think yep. to answer your question, Carl, you, you, you build where you're getting at. I think you build where you're strong. You get strong where you're stronger at. You start with the line. And you, and you, you could, and I think Feliciano for a stopgap has done well. Oh, did, did as good as a job as you could as a stopgap. Now you get younger, you get your long-term center, and you can get the left guard, and you can build from that. So when you get to 2024, now you may have something, regardless if it's Daniel Jones or not, you have a good line. A good line, offensive line, offensive line defensive line, as we, you always, always highly give props to the Philadelphia Eagles, is how you win football games, no matter if, how many times you throw the ball. If you have a good line who can pop, Pass, protect, and get after the quarterback. That's how I would go, and I and, and that's what Shane was kind of been echoing for the last couple of weeks. Defensive line, and, I mean, defensively, um, you know, I would love to see this project again, Carl, and I'll get your thoughts on that as far as the Thibodeau and Ojolari off opposite sides. They're going to have to add some depth behind um, uh, Lawrence. And remember, we talked about you know Bakes went off two weeks ago on um, Leonard Williams, and that's an issue too. So. Get stronger where you are kind of already your strength on your team. I'm not saying they're the best in the league, but this is where the team is kind of built and build around it from there. Because you don't have to spend buku money on skilled position players when you kind of don't know if, you know, that's why they're kind of hanging on with this franchise situation with the quarterback. Or they, they might play that route with the quarterback. That's why they declined this fifth year deal. Now, what about your thoughts? Is Would you go, you know, with the, leave the line as is and then fill around with, you know, like you said, with the secondary, uh, wide receivers. Like, How would you look at that based on our current situation? Uh, given the option, I would take adding a, a defensive, um, an edge rusher on the team. I, I'm, I am not confident that a Z agency or, or draft? can give you um, – I would – if. At 25, you might get somebody that drops. You know, that could be. I don't. See, for agency, it's probably going to be hard to get. You know, a, a premium guy for you know, without paying you know, high quality hours. I'd have to see the list 
uh, a free mm-hmm. agent to, to make a judgment on that. But if you told me in the draft, you know, you can get a guy that not necessarily could start right away, maybe a guy just, you know, if you project him two years down the line to be a, a tremendous player who just needs a little bit of seasoning, I feel like having that on the roster, you can never, ha- as the Eagles showed you this season, and uh, it didn't work out in, in, in the last game, you can never have enough quality defensive linemen. You know, when the mm-hmm. Eagles are coming at teams this season, you, and, the, and they, you saw when they were facing the Giants, you know, it was, it was Sweat, it was Graham, Fletcher Cox, um, uh, you know, the, the, the old guys that they had brought in there, Brandon Graham, 97 years old. Like, you know, they're, they're coming seven, eight, you know, sometimes nine, nine deep, you know, to, and you don't have to – I think – no, Hassan Reddick as well. I think they had like four guys who had at least ten sacks this season. Like when you're – when you have that kind of defensive line depth and you can rotate and bring those guys in waves – it is it is it is tremendous to have because if you only if your pass rush is basically relying on you know two guys okay that can, and one of those guys who just so happens to not consistently be on the field well all of a sudden when the, when he comes out or he gets hurt all of a sudden you're like oh we have to wait for Aziz to get back well you know the guy's consistently hurt so. You know, you want to be able to mitigate against a situation like that, and just being able to have strength in numbers on that defensive line is something that I feel like if the opportunity presents itself, jump on it. Yeah, um, based on where the Giants draft in that first round, and I haven't really put together my draft board, I kind of see players in my head, especially going into the rounds three. I still have to do a little bit more research and gather up my notes from college football where I kind of watch every – you know, every other week basis to catch up on notes and who's, you know, when I watch college football, I kind of watch it from almost a scouting basis. Okay, oh, he's going to make the league or he's coming into the draft. I'm going to keep my eye out on him. Where in the Giants position where they're drafting, there's actually some good edge rushers uh, that should be available. Um, The guy from Iowa comes to mind, Van Ness, I think looks like a Giant. You know, that's something (laughs) that's something Chris would say. Um, I think he's there's a pop, I mean I'm not saying the Giants are going to draft him. I'm just throwing out edge rushers that are coming out uh the Big 10, you know, from the Big 10 uh Van Ness is one. I like him a lot. Now, I'm not big on as I'm not big on Miles Murphy like I am on Van Ness, who who's a, is another edge rusher who can get after the quarterback. I I was really down on Clemson on that as far as defensively this past college football season. But you mentioned um, Hassan Reddick, and that's where I was like, you know what, you may like Nolan Smith. And you're talking about Giants have this connection with the University of Georgia. And that's that's the one thing about that particular squad, uh, uh, Carl, with with Kirby Smart, with the Georgia Bulldogs, is they were so so deep. Like, first of all, when they won the championship and they beat Alabama, it seemed like everybody on that team went to the draft, and they just restocked with five-star athletes and they've made another championship run. And Nolan Smith actually has um, a lot of upside, a lot of upside, but he's got um, uh, Hassan Reddick in him, per se, you know, with slipping through the blocks and getting – he can stop the run as well. Uh, he's a, There's a lot of good edge rushers that's going to be sitting around where the Giants are going to be picking. So that's kind of – uh, my filler to to you as far as that, that's definitely possible. I can see that, and then you add that with the Ojolari and and, and the Thibodeau, and, and we can see where we go with that. That's the thing, you know. If you can if you can do that, and I'm looking at the, the now, unfortunately, as I was looking at the uh, the free agency list for the, for for edge guys, you know, it's, you know, it's pretty slim pickings to be honest with you. Yeah, you know, yeah, who's on that list? Just, I'm looking. Um, let me see, just using uh, defensive ends and edge rushers. Uh, Draymond Jones of the Broncos, 26 years old. Zach Allen of the Cardinals. Um, you know, Graham and Cox yeah, yeah, exactly. are 32 and 34 years old. Now they're over and 30. Yannick Ngakwe, who seems like he's Ngakwe, who seems like he's been like either traded or moved around like eight different times in like the last like three years. I mean, he's available. Clowney is available if you want. All the time. Calvin Ingram's 34 years old. Yeah. Marcus Davenport is 27. Yeah, Clowney didn't have well. a good That's year in Cleveland, did he? Clowney, Clowney uh, I mean, did not really he, have that good year in Cleveland, right? 
Houston. I mean, put it this way, I feel like every year we've been saying Clowney hasn't had a good year. Like outside of like one year in his career. Right. He's right. still living off that one hit that he had in college. <laughs> With the gang. So that's <laughs> so yeah. Um... Yeah. I mean that's that's pretty much the list. Like the, the list is pretty barren. I wouldn't to touch that. Unless you could get it, unless it's for death purposes and you could get it on the cheap, I would not overpay for none of those guys. Nah. I think you could get better value with somebody else. Kind of like what they did last year with Justin Ellis with the Baltimore Ravens. I, I think they could go that route and, you know, be fine on that front. But draft, I'm with you. If you, I, I think that's the route you go. You get some dogs. You make it ugly. This roster is basically basically with the O-line and D-line. You make this shit ugly. You get guys who can get after the quarterback. And they kind of have that right now. You just haven't really seen it this season because, you know, guys that were injured. And you, you want them to see how it goes when you have that pressure uh, off the edge. I, I, I think that, and in, in, in especially up the middle, is for sure. I, I'm with that, Carl. And then you can always I, – I, and then, like you said, with the cornerback, I think there's enough cornerback depth. You could definitely get that in rounds three or four later on in the draft for sure. Uh, and then fill in with the, you know, the running backs at five or six to replace Breeder or something, you know. Um, any, anything else um, um, from, from a Giants perspective that you like to say as far as um, how, you know, from the organization approaching uh, this free agency? Uh, that's going to be in a couple of weeks, so we'll be back on in two weeks to discuss that. Uh, we'll see how, what they actually yeah, do with the signing. Is that the first day of the new? When is the first day of the new of the league year? When does that begin? Like the fifteenth is when um, the free agency period really officially starts. Oh, okay. So in that case, okay, be right. Okay, we'll be back right by then. Um, right, right. But I think mm-hmm. we've got it all pretty much covered. Um, I think the franchise tag situation will figure itself out by the, with the seventh. I think is the date. You know, we'll we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get some sort of some sort of answer. Um, one way or the other as to how that may go. Um, after that, you know, that's when the running back situation will fall into place. So we'll probably have one way. I think probably by the seventh we'll know one way or the other on each of those scenarios. So once we've got that um, figured out, then at that point it can, you know, we can sort of make the moves that that need to be made because I think one of the new one of the other moves that has to be addressed coming up here is, you know, how I don't know if. If, um, if this is going to come up soon, but it probably should, you know, a, a future contract for Andrew Thomas is going to be his fifth year is going to be picked up 2021, 22. You want to make that deal now, get it out the way. Yeah. Uh, Long term. Yeah. Uh, yep. like, how, how do you want to? Ooh, that's different. Oh, that's, that's, that's interesting. That's a good one. Um, but Thomas definitely, um, like you said, as far as how you looked at it from a quarterback perspective with the market going to go up, it's not too many of those, above average to um, very, very good left tackles available anywhere on the planet. You better keep that. And you saw what we had before, yeah. <laughs> Andrew Thomas. You, you, if you have a right-handed quarterback, left tackle in this particular league is a must. <laughs> a must. You cannot go to war with, with a quarterback who is apprehensive because he does not know if his blind side is going to be protected. He has to, that whoever's quarterback needs that, especially he's probably going to be a right-handed quarterback, and nothing against lefties in this world. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, like if you, most more than likely he's going to be a righty quarterback, you've got to secure that left tackle position, long-term concert, absolutely, without a doubt. Um, yeah, and, and let's, I mean, pay, obviously, you know, I mean, if you don't yeah, pay, yeah, him, I mean, hey. <laughs> yeah, no, you got to no. That's one position you have to. That that has that's a priority. That's probably more priority than. The guys we're talking about this year, to be honest with you, you do not go with you, you, you lock that up and, and just say, okay, we're good for the next four to five years uh, on that position. Absolutely. Um, what, uh, let's see. Um, what about, how do you, let me ask you this around the rest of the league, just, just, you know, Derek, you know, Derek Carr, I think got cut by the Raiders, you know, it's just, the NFL is just a place where, you know, you do you can't really have ties to these players no more like you you used to in yesteryear for the most part. A lot of these players used to stay as long as they could and then they kind of fizzled out the journey in other places. Where a guy like Derek Carr, who's had a million uh, different play callers, he's been there through you know since the Oakland days. You know went to Vegas with them and 
just didn't, you know, never really panned out, you know, he's, it's crazy that he's north of 30 years old, man, like, what about these other free agents or guys that got cut, you know, or teams that are looking for quarterbacks, like, you know, whether the Ravens retain Jackson, Lamar Jackson, or I think a team like the Falcons should go after him, like, they need a quarterback, you know, it's wide open for what they need, how do you feel about the rest of the teams uh, in this league and what they're looking for outside of our squad? Well, you know, that Jackson thing has been real interesting um, over this time, you know, since, you know, the last what, first week of December when he got hurt and hasn't come back. And they, you know, I don't, I don't know what the Ravens plan is because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, they built an entire sort of offensive infrastructure around that quarterback knowing what they wanted to do. And now that he's been doing it for a few years and just so happened to get hurt, now they don't want to pay, they don't want to you know pay him whatever the amount that they want to pay him is. And because he doesn't have an agent, the Ravens are basically trying to do the you know you know we like you, we like you, but if you had an agent, we'd be able to talk shit about you, you know, to him <laughs> as opposed to you directly. So there's sort of like this passive aggressive thing in play and essentially Lamar has been holding his ground for the most part and so you know the Ravens don't that the Ravens don't have a plan B like that doesn't like they're not the Ravens are not going to you know say okay we're just going to let Lamar Jackson go blow up this entire infrastructure with a team that's good I mean they have a really good defense right now and start over with fill in the blank like no they I saw the backup quarterback play last year. They weren't good when he was playing. So that's not an option. So I don't like that, that's that's why the whole quarterback thing is interesting. Like either either you have one, you pay whatever it costs to keep them or you do something else and hope that that works. But like Derek Carr like okay, he's a nice quarterback maybe, but you know there's a reason now that two, two his last two coaches have been trying to get rid of him. You know, like if you put him on, I don't know, the Jets, do they become a contender? No. Like, I feel like he'll be just the guy that gets you like 9-6-1 and one, or 10-7, and seven, and you are left sort of wanting more. He's not Matthew. He's not as good as Stafford. No, that's, that's kind of, right, it, just, right. it was, you know, sort of stuck in Detroit. Uh, I'm trying to think of these other guys. You know, I'm, Rogers, I'm, like, I'm not, I'm not going to even address that. Um, but that's the mm-hmm. thing, at least around the league. Um, I'm just trying to think of any other league drama. That's really it. The quarterback sort of – set the tone for everything else that goes on um, in the league. And right now we've got, you know, the holding pattern on at least two of those guys, maybe a third. Um, I, I'm curious. Well, I think San Francisco's decision is going to be already made. I think they're going to stick out with Lance if he gets healthy. Um, Atlanta, you mentioned, and he was, they were in the, the Sean um, sweepstakes last year. They, if they're going to plan on starting the, the quarterback they drafted last year, I don't believe that. So if he were, if Jackson were ever to be made available to a trade, I think Atlanta would be the team that would make the jump, pay the cost, yeah. and and give them the draft picks and call it a day. That that I feel like that's 100% lock, stop, and barrel. Um, but we'll see if if that you know scenario even presents itself if Baltimore opens the door to that. Right, right. Um. Oh man, I can't believe so many guys that are free agents because I just—it feels like just yesterday they were literally just coming into the league. Like it, this, the, these years be flying by so fast. Like I, I don't even want to say his name because I don't even feel like looking for the dog growl noise. Like I can't believe this guy's almost thirty years old. I was happy you know, the guy for him. I was, ha- I was happy for him. He's gonna be—they're gonna give him the franchise tag. I saw a, uh, I, a little I while that. ago. I know I, I had the Kermit the Frog eyes like man how, how good for him you know what I'm saying like <laughs> you Remember, know we, as much we, as said, we, got we, on said, we said it at the time yeah. that when he, that yeah. when he left he, he was gonna have better days like we all kind of knew that that was what was gonna happen it was just wasn't unfor- unfortunately it just wasn't gonna happen here just right wasn't, right you know and mm. he found himself a home found himself uh, a coach that you know, could utilize his skills, found a tremendous franchise future quarterback who can get him the ball. You know, it's a little bit different when Trevor Lawrence is throwing you the ball than, you know, the guy that wears number eight. Uh, just got to be fair. So with those sort right, of things right. in play, 
it opened things up for him to. I mean, look at the look at that. If you look at that offense, right, of Jacksonville, uh, how many how many sort of household guys do you see there? Not much at the receiver position, running back position. Uh, okay, you know, like the fact that he stood out is a, is a testament to him, and you know what he the work he put in to try to make himself a good player, and it, and it paid off for him last year. Yeah. Um, they did a good job just bringing a lot of guys in to fill in that roster. Um, you really got to be like deep into your fantasy football uh, uh, draft charts to know who, who was on the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I think a lot of people did sleep on them because of the poor season that, seasons that they had prior. They had a nice bounce back year and they had some good wins this year. Thank goodness it wasn't one of them wasn't against us. When they could have almost came back and won that game, but we 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 actually. Uh, got the best of them, uh, but yeah. But Carl, like in two weeks, we'll, we'll, like when the free agency period kicks off, and I know the guys will be on. We'll probably talk about how the fo- our team does and how it goes about. It. We'll have more as far as what happens with this quarterback of ours. Uh, well, let's put some respect on his name, Daniel Jones. We'll we'll see what they do with <laughs> Daniel Jones, the running back Saquon Barkley, and then um, more of a plan that's going to be executed. Uh, you have any uh, final thoughts, uh, whether it's our squad? Or do you have any thoughts? You want to you want to put a tidbit on our blue shirts if you want to say anything, or just sports in general, man? As we wrap up, it's good talking with you. It's good, good logical conversation. I think we're on the same page as far as how we address the roster. Um, and I think I'm kind of more in line with, with Shane. I just don't know what he's going to do transactionally as far as trades and stuff. But if he says he's going to take the Philadelphia approach as far as offensive line, defensive line, you know I'm with that. Absolutely. Well, I mean, for him to take the Philadelphia route, that means he's got to hit on a bunch of, you know, mid to lower round draft picks. And because if you look at it, the left tackle, the left guard, and the right guard on Philadelphia were drafted in the seventh, second, and fourth rounds. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the best offensive yeah, line great. in football. And that's where those three of those guys were drafted. So yep. that's going to be the key for the Giants. Can the Giants find premium players lower in the draft? Like, right. can you find a, a Mai Tai? Like nobody, like, nobody goes in thinking they can find their franchise left tackle in the seventh round. <laughs> so you got to, mm-hmm. you know, draft development, you know, you know, just that pipeline and being able to do that. I mean, they have their, their future center on the roster that they drafted last year. So that's something that, you know, to, if Kelsey retires, I think he might come back for one more year. But, you know, this replacement is kind of sitting right there, wait, re, you know, ready to go. But, you know, besides that, um, I guess probably the one non-sports thing that I, I, I do kind of wonder, I'm glad you're, you're here because um, I was, I was going to ask you about this. Uh, did Tom Thibodeau suddenly become a better coach? I, I remember last year folks were saying <laughs> something along the lines like he was over the hill, he was too old, he was inflexible, he you know, should be potentially fired. I mean, that's what I heard, you know. I, I, you know me and the Knicks, For the Blue Blue we're not, you know, we're not as close as we used to be. Girl. Oh, this is this is just in the atmosphere. Like you just turn you oh, just turn on the the, the, yeah. the atmosphere of the Knicks. Like that's what I heard. That's what that's what was no. being um, orated. And a year later, I don't hear that anymore. So did something happen? Did he you know go for a makeover? Like what 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 what, what, what or did he just get better I, I, players? I, I'll give you my point of view of how I look at this. Um, I live in a okay. When I get off the show with you guys and gals, I'm watching the game. I'm watching the Rangers. I'm watching sports. You know what I'm saying? Or I'm watching my shows, TV shows, movies, whatever that nature. I go on Twitter here and there to see what people are talking about sports and my teams in general. The Bleed Blue Show, the Nickelbacker Avenue Fan Forum, was never on that fire tip stuff. We were never on that. I was never on that. The guys that come on there, none of us was on that fire tip stuff. So I hear that. Mostly when the guy come onto the show, kind of like what you're saying from the atmosphere, and and it catches me by surprise when they when I'm hearing from them saying how they want to fire tips. I'm like, what? Because I don't watch a lot of these shows, like these you know the debate shows and the talk shows. Like I'm only watching the, the sports networks when the games are on. Like I'm watching so I can see what happens in the game, and then I come back and chop it up with you guys and gals. But nah, I when I heard that, Carl, I, I'm like. They're crazy because they were saying the same thing last year about Julius Randle. Like that's another thing. Like yeah, I was this platform finger, was right? never on that for whatever reason. And, and see, I you could it's been recorded and documented, Carl. Like even going back 
signing him off the Pelicans. We were pro Julius Randle from the get go on this platform. Like even in the last year, I was like I was big in support of him giving the middle finger to the Knicks. I've said that many a times because the Knicks fans were wrong for uh, Stephen Curry coming into the Garden and and, and uh, getting the three point record on us, and the fans cheered, uh, you know, for the Warriors or for Stephen Curry against the Knicks that night, and that's the same night. Julius Randle gave the bird, and that's why Nick fans on social media had the big backlash to Julius Randle saying he wasn't trying. With, with obviously, the glaring issue was Nick didn't have a point guard. Now they got the point guard from the Mavericks uh, and Jalen Brunson, and everything's back to where it needed to be from two years ago. So, nah, to answer your question, Carl, I was never on that fire tips or get Julius Randle out of town stuff. No, no, not me. But I understand because Nick fans will say crazy things in, on Twitter. Twitter is a – that's why we have fun when you're on the hockey show. When, when our come on. <laughs> are you seeing the tweet, huh? What do you see about the tweet? Like, well, what, do you, what, what do you see? So, uh, when I, when, you know, when things are good, you know, like right now, apparently the, the newest thing I've seen is, you know, can the Knicks make noise in the Eastern Conference? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, do, this, do they, do they think that they can beat the – Okay, I mean, beating Cleveland? Oh. Yes. Yeah, they could beat okay. them. They could beat them. Yeah, they could beat them. They, they could beat, beat them. them. Milwaukee's uh, the biggest yeah, problem. I, I don't think they could beat them. Milwaukee's deadly. You know, like, deadly. Now, Philly, Boston, uh, and uh, Milwaukee. Milwaukee. All right, that's, I feel like that's its own tier. <laughs> I, think, I think Philly is close. To, okay, hold on. Let me think. Boston and Milwaukee are probably that top one, that top tier, and I think Philadelphia's under that. And then after that's Cleveland, the Knicks. I probably will put the Heat in that realm because we, the Knicks play the Heat tomorrow in Miami. I do believe this, Carl. I'm gonna be honest, and I'm not being a homer. Like I really believe, like kind of like how we saw the Giants could go into Minnesota and beat the Vikings. I see the Knicks beating Cleveland. I could definitely see that. Kind of like. That uh, as far as confidence level, I like we played the, the Cavaliers three times. The Knicks beat them twice out of three times, and it should have won the first time. And the roster was the worst point. The Knicks are better than the, t- the first time they played Cleveland. They, they they could beat Cleveland. They could have okay. a chance versus Boston. They I really believe that. The, the thing about Boston is when they're making threes, it's like nobody can stop them. It's almost video game like. It's almost like NBA Jam. Like they will not miss. But then the Knicks are definitely defensively tougher now with Josh Hart. They have a great nine. I would say great, a very solid defensive, rugged nine-man rotation that can score and play defense. They 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 are very. They're going to be a very tough out. They're going to be. They're better this year than they were two years ago when they was the number four seed. Okay. Okay. Well, hey, well, you know, they're on a good run right now. So, you know, obviously there's going to be a little bit of a correction, you know, to that unless the mm-hmm. next have plans are going like 20-2 and two the rest of the way, which if they do, that would probably vault them over Cleveland to get – I think there were two games behind them right now. You probably, you probably can check yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, do they have another yeah, – no, no, no. I think they got one more late in March. We talked about that on the on Nick Bakker as fan form because I think Cleveland's schedule actually is a little tougher. I didn't think the Knicks were going to catch Cleveland. I thought we were just going to stay at five, but obviously Brooklyn has been falling to the wayside, and Miami kind of can, can't get out of its own way. So, honestly, it's possible we could get to the number four seed, but even if we don't, Carl, this is, this is where it makes it really interesting. The Knicks are actually a better road team than they are at home. I feel better. Like, they've played a lot better. Like, watching the games, they're a better road team than they are at home. Oh, they, they were – oh, damn, this Ranger game is crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, so it's not like the Knicks are going on a road and laying eggs. I think the only problem, like the only team I see that is just like, okay, I don't, whatever they throw at them is probably Milwaukee. If, as long as Giannis is there, they have the veterans and the craftiness of, you know, Drew Holiday and, and Chris Middleton's just coming back off a of injury. They got added Joe Ingles. They have some good, Jay Crowder's now on them. They got some. Guys who win, they know how to win basketball games, and that's why Cleveland's a threat. I mean, not Cleveland. Milwaukee's probably the best team. Um, I think they'll come out the East. I said that even in the beginning of the year. Um, and then out of the West, Carl, you know, I saw uh, Kevin Durant play last night versus the uh, Hornets. Man, that Booker-Durant uh, combination, Booker had went off for 38. They were up 20 in that game, and the Hornets kind of came back. I think the Suns were kind of playing with them. They're not truly a middle-of-the-pack Western Conference team, Carl. I think 
I think they're the best team in the West, and and they're just getting started. I think they could overtake Sacramento, and then it's really the Clippers who are the deepest team or the most underachieving team in the West is the Clippers. They have the talent. They just don't – I don't know why they're not the number one team. And Denver is kind of wow. like, you know, everybody was saying about if the Lakers get to them, but now LeBron injuries kind of screwed that up. Denver's a good team, too. And I think – and I said this on a, on a recap show a couple of weeks ago. Denver's very good. This is the time Denver needs to, like, you know, probably make a push for the finals, honestly. This is their time. Them and Memphis, honestly. So I'm looking at the standings right now. And, it's, mm-hmm. you know, the Kings have a three-game lead with 20 to go. That, making up that make it, that's a the Kings basically have to go into a, a a pretty good slump for the for the Suns to catch them. Um, that's a, that's very tricky, mm-hmm. I, you know, because if they don't, I'm looking at the potential. You know, the Suns could face either you know the Warriors or the Clippers in the first round of playoffs, and all of a sudden that that's a you know that that matchup becomes much more formidable than let's say. You know the Suns. I mean, they have the Kings facing. I don't know. Let's pick pick a team, Dallas or whatever. You know, there's the hope. I don't know. There's like three or four, like two or three games separate, like six teams. So it it's all sort of you know bunched up in that grouping right there. Right, right. Cool, man. All right, well, you know, looking forward. To, we'll probably pick up on the baseball soon, and we'll look forward to getting your thoughts on that. As a matter of fact, I'll ask you right now before we get off. Have you watched any of the spring training games? How do you feel about the pitch clock? Let me just get right to the chase, the pitch clock, and I'll, and I'll, we'll leave it at that and get back to the, you know, watch the hockey and go, oh, man, Rangers are down two goals. Uh, <laughs> right, what are your thoughts on the pitch clock? We'll, we'll jump off. I have not watched any of the games, but I've seen the, uh, the, the, the sort of the clips and sort of highlights of it. Um, thank goodness. I think we're going to get some <laughs> two-hour, 20-minute games. Thank goodness. Dude. Yeah. You can you can you can go to you can go to bed at a reasonable time uh, when, mm-hmm. when when these games come on tonight because oh my goodness before you know if, if if a game went you know an hour and a half and it was only three innings in you knew you were in for a long night I don't think that's going to happen anymore I think Juanmi Peralta I saw I a, a clip on Twitter he struck out a guy in twenty seconds like I want to see more of that nice let's, yeah. let's just keep things moving you know let's, yeah let's, let's just speed the a yankee oreo a yankee oreo game in the bronx and in june should not go to 11 o'clock at night so yeah speed these shits up shout out to carl at the c notes and myself steve uh, apple podcast google podcast spotify stitcher the combine episode uh football a little sprinkle in some other sports we'll be back in two weeks to get to the free agency and have some fun with that what we'll, our team does and the rest of the league all right carl have a good one we'll, we'll chop it up Congress who please. Yep, yep. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.